never underestimate the importance of your position or the weight that it carries. Every day, Satan is going to try to convince you that what you do is not important. You remind him. I'm going to get my preach on. You remind him he is a liar. He is the devil. He will steal from you. And that you're coming to get everything he had stolen from you, for your mama, for your grandmother, back to Eve. Every morning. Our job description really only needs one line. Functions as an air traffic controller. We keep the planes flying. Our pastors are people with vision, and that's where they need to stay. Typically, while they have great vision, they're not so great at figuring out the details to carry them out. Sometimes they're even clueless. The Bible gives us a great um, example of this in Exodus 33. It says that Moses went into the tent of meeting to meet with the Lord and to get his vision. But Moses also invited Joshua, and Joshua was his assistant at the time. Now, as an assistant, you are going to be invited to go places that other people are not invited. They do not have access to the same place. Do not take that for granted. Always be grateful for it and enter that space with humility. But the Bible goes on to tell us that Moses received his vision, and then he got up and left the tent of meeting. He went back to lead the people, but Joshua stayed behind, and he stayed on his knees. So I had to spend some time, well, why would Moses go back to the people and Joshua stay in the tent? I am absolutely convinced, even though the Bible doesn't tell us, because he heard the vision, he knew the details, and he knew his place was on his knees. Um, This actually happened to me one time. Um, Pastor Greg had been on sabbatical. He came back with a few tweaks, um, which meant changes, but we don't make changes. We make tweaks. Um, He wanted to add what we now call response time, and that was he wanted four stations, communion, candles, prayer, and giving. This was to be rolled out at all campuses on the same weekend, and he had, like, built this up. Like, the people were... They thought he was leaving um, because he had built it up. He had such a surprise. Really, he was just rolling out something that has really changed our church. So he handed me the job of figuring out the details to make this happen. Um, As you might can imagine, there was a lot of details. It was keeping me up at night. Um, I was really not pleasant to be around. So one morning at 4 a.m., I was still up. And I said, I quit. I cannot do this. The details are too many. So I got my computer. I crafted an email. And I did hit send. And I resigned. I felt much better. All the pressure was off. I went back to bed. (laughs) Fifteen minutes after I got back in the bed, I did not go to sleep. But I got this divine download of every detail to carry this out. So... I care, about, I care about carrying out my job, so I got back up. I got my computer back out. I made my to-do list of everything that needed to be done, and I sent it to Pastor Greg. Oh, and this is how you do it. Still, I was going to leave. I did get up, and I went to work that morning because I did want to finish well. Pastor Greg came in the back door, walked by my desk, and he said, by the way, I do not accept resignations at 4 a.m., and your checklist is really good. Bring it to the meeting at 1.30. You'll be leading. And he went on. And here I still am. 
So when your pastor gives you a vision, go with them and stay with them and pray with them and pray for them for the details that it's going to cost to carry it out. Because God will pay for what he orders and he will give you as his vessel of administration how to carry it out. There's lots of names that um, executive assistants are called, and here's just a few of the things that we really do. We're a gatekeeper. We're a bridge builder. We're a keeper of information. The soother of wounds. We're the deliverer of unwanted news sometimes. And your finger from where you sit is on the pulse of your staff and your congregation, and sometimes your community more than anyone else. You're the person that people are going to come to for all sorts of answers, and you are going to handle thousands of details for dozens of projects for your pastor. Work to make your pastor's ministry seem seamless. So we've talked about Moses and Joshua. The Bible does give several other um, examples of where God calls an assistant to a person. Um, Just three that everybody's going to recognize, Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, and Paul and Timothy. And there are are others, but those are the three everybody's going to recognize. So what what is it that we're going to do? The first thing as an assistant is we have to have a servant's heart. It's foundational to everything we do. As the executive assistant, you want to and you're called to serve not only your church, your pastor, but your pastor's family. So honor the pastor's family. And every family is different. Some are very private and others are not. Just be a student of your pastor and his family and serve them. The second thing is that we function as a second brain. Know what your pastor likes and dislikes. Know where they are most of the time and know where they need to go next. You need to know when to schedule meetings, when not to. Listen and think with them and for them throughout the day. The third thing is we need to master the calendar. The calendar is the flight plan. If we don't master it, the planes will either fly into each other or straight to the ground. Either way, there'll be a crash. (laughs) If you're a pastor in the room, um, please give away your calendar. (laughs) If you're an assistant in the room, you master that calendar, you guard that calendar, and you work that calendar for your pastor. And there's all sorts of rhythms, and you'll need to work with your pastor to find out which rhythm works best for him. For Pastor Greg, his rhythm is different than Pastor Josh. Pastor Greg, his calendar is blocked every morning, all morning. That's when he studies. That's when he writes. That's when he um, functions best to do his best work. So we block that. Pastor Josh, he has meetings on Monday afternoon and all day Tuesday. I just load his calendar because he wants it over with in one day. His calendar is blocked on Wednesday and Thursday morning. This just took um, some time working together to figure out what worked best for us. So just work 
work with your pastor to figure out when they do their best work. Um, at the end of the session, and I'll write it on the, the board, I've created a little admin toolbox for you. And one of the things in there is a template for creating the ideal work week. So you can have that and play around with it. Um, all right. Next is we prioritize. What are your pastor's priorities, both for the church and for their personal life? Protect their personal time and help maximize their professional time. If I ask Pastor Greg what his priorities are, he's going to tell me to speak and to lead the ark. And when I ask Pastor Josh, he's going to say to speak and lead Seacoast. So my question that I ask me is in, in my helping them, am I helping them to stay focused on their priorities to do the things that they've been called to do and take the other things from them? The fifth thing we do is create and master systems. Every pastor and assistant will need a certain number of set preferences and procedures. And um, as we talked a little bit at the beginning, if you're a Myers-Briggs and you are a P, you don't even like the word policy or procedure. Um, um, but we are going to have to have them. Um, <laughs> when you find what works best for you and your pastor, work it. Stop trying to chase the next shiny thing and work what works for them. And once you have a system and you work the system, remember, you'll need to be flexible. The sixth thing is know what's on your pastor's plate. Nearly all pastors I know have too much on their plates. And as their assistant, you know as, as much or better than they do what they're dealing with and um, what is critical to their success. So keep the focus on the high-level activities, and you do this with their priorities. Help them to decline or to delegate to someone else what is going to pull them away from their focus. Because we know what's on their plates, anticipate their needs. Keep a running list of items that you hear them mention when they're in the office. If, that notes, if you hear them say they want to bring up something to someone they're going to meet with next week, make a note of it. If they're working to um, run a meeting that afternoon and you have listened to them, help them make the agenda. Just, just be their brain and capture the information as they are just talking around the office. You can also help them by being proactive in writing emails, draft emails for them, send them to them, let them make any changes, and then send them out for them. That takes a ton of work off of them. Um, so just as you anticipate their needs, be one step ahead, and it's really nice if you're two. Number seven is respect their confidentiality. As executive assistants, we have access to so much information. Um, a lot of it's personal, and it is critical that we have integrity and discretion with the information that we have. Number eight 
is to have good communication skills. And I don't mean just the ability to carry on a conversation, although that is necessary, but as an effective executive assistant, we help facilitate communication to our churches on behalf of our pastors, because typically they're gonna communicate on three levels. First to the, to the staff, second to the church, and third to the community slash world. So learn to help them communicate. Be a student of their voice and know when to use it and when not to. So as you become this student of your pastor and you start helping them communicate, you need to know what to share, you, know, you need to know when to share it, and you need to know what to forget. And um, if, for those of you that are married, um, don't forget that your, your pastor is your spouse's pastor, and there are things that you are going to know that you will only take to God and the grave. Um, do not ruin your, your um, spouse's um, idea of your pastor by sharing things that you should not share. Um, and in knowing what to share and when to share it, I'm going to tell on myself. Um, several years ago, we are, well, Seacoast is from, in Charleston, and so a lot of our campuses, they're right near the beach, which means when it gets hot, um, we wear less and less clothes to church. Um, and <laughs> Pastor Josh was just starting to, to speak more on the weekends, and I wanted to protect him. So I, we had gotten everything ready, and worship was starting, so I left the green room, and I, we called the bullpen, and I went to my seat. And just as I got there, I looked over, and there was a woman on the front row who I just said, oh, my goodness, there is a naked woman. Satan has sent a naked woman on the front row to distract Josh so that he can't preach the word that God's given him. So I'm, I have this in my head. I'm like, do I go tell him? Do I not? If he gets up there? Like, you could not miss it. Like, what do I do? So I decided I would go tell him. So I ran back to the bullpen, and I said, I just opened the door. And this was a communication fail. I opened the door, and I said, Pastor Josh, there's a naked woman on the front row. Don't look. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back out. <laughs> so knowing what to communicate and when to communicate is very important. <laughs> Number nine is keep your heart pure. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. You know, as I said, we have lots of critical information, um, and we have to guard our heart. There will be things that happen that you, um, you may not know all of the reasons why, but you know enough to then question. Don't do that. Just know that they're the leader and um, that they're making the right decisions. Number 10 is never take the trust and authority that you have for granted. And always, number 11 is always say yes. Even when the answer is no, say yes. <laughs> Pastor Greg and Pastor Josh on the weekends when there's thousands of people coming to them, they say yes to the people, and they send them to me. <laughs> and when I'm talking to them, 
Um, they just want to be heard. I never use the words that they're too busy. I never use the word no because they're in the people business. They're pastors, and they do wish they could see everyone who wants to see them, but the reality is that they can't. However, we do have a staff, so I just convince them that they would be better off talking to someone else. And most times they're glad because they really just won't help. And these are the pastors that they know because they're the ones they see on the platform. So always say yes and help them. Um, next, um, relationships. Relationships are our pastors. Um, that it, that's their resource for everything. Everything is built on their relationships. So we need to manage those because it makes their world go round. So my suggestion would be to build a database and in that database records, after you record obviously their name, where they live, who their assistant is, anything that you happen to hear, their favorite Starbucks drink, their favorite sports teams, do they play a personal sport? And don't forget to add their home address because Christmas comes every December and there'll be Christmas cards. You'll be glad you have it. Now, we have tried several different things. Um, Pastor Greg uses an app called Contactually that he really likes. For Pastor Josh, we actually use an Excel spreadsheet and I have included that template in the toolbox for you. Contactually. Pastor Greg, anything you want to say about contactually? Um, it's good if you work it. <laughs> <laughs> Next is be a cheerleader. No one enjoys being an Eeyore. <laughs> Smile when they come into the office. And when they've worked hard on a message or a presentation that they're giving, don't forget to tell them they did a good job. As a, I'll just butt in, as a, <laughs> as a lead pastor or speaking pastor, that's so important. Um, and Kathy does that really, really well. I know she doesn't always feel like being a cheerleader because there's things that go on in her life just like there's everybody else. But when we walk into the office, she's always got a smile and tells us, you know, it's a good day, and you're good, and you did good, even if you didn't. She likes just a <laughs> Once in a while. <clears throat> Next is to keep appropriate boundaries. Don't eat together unless there's a group. Don't ride together unless there are other people in the car. It's just not wise. Except Carol. <laughs> Carol is Pastor Chris's sister, if you don't know, so she can get she gets to do that. <laughs> And she gets to travel. <laughs> and the last thing I have before we have some Q&A is take care of you. You can be a servant, but you still need to take care of yourself because your marriage, your family, your children, they matter just as much as the pastors. So don't forget to take care of you.
All right, so now for some Q&A, and I asked Pastor Greg and Pastor Josh to be in here so we can talk to pastors as well as assistants, so let's hear it. Unless you, unless the answer sure. come through the microphone, they won't sure. be recorded. And any questions that you get asked, just either repeat them or summarize them before we have answers. Okay. Pass the mic around also. Oh, we do have a second one. Oh, good. Yes, ma'am. You said that you do, you convince, when somebody comes to see you, to convince them to see somebody else instead of the pastor. A, how do you do that? And B, can you give me an example? Yes. Um, usually when they call, they want counseling or there's, there's something in their life that, that's caused pain. So when they call, um, they, they want to tell me. They're not trying to keep a secret. I just say, can you tell me a little about what's going on? Once they tell me, then I have the opportunity to help get them to, um, we call it the care team, someone that can help counsel them. And because Pastor Greg and Pastor Josh and the rest of your pastors, their schedule is so busy, to get them in, unless it's an, you know, an emergency tragedy of some kind, it's going to be a while. So when you tell them, we want to help you, we want to help you today. But to do that, I'm going to have to give you to someone else. They're a great counselor. And so that I connect them and try to get them in that day with someone else. Rarely have I ever had that fail. Tell them how you, uh, um, how you, it, it's not always, a, people say, need to, think they need to come in and sit down, and you do other things. You do, you know, email things and phone things. And yes. Um, lots of times people in the church will have a dream. They will have um, a word from God that they need to give Pastor Greg or Pastor Josh, and um, they just think they need to come in and share it with them because they know it's going to change the world, and they could be right. Um, typically, what I do is to ask them if they would mind emailing them, and I give them their private email address, and most of the time, they're happy to do that. Then they get to talk as long as they want to. Can I say one thing about that? And Josh, you go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you're a pastor, you know, a senior leader, or you may want to talk to your pastor about this, one of the lessons I learned is um, Kathy earlier said about the calendar. She controls my calendar. We sit down at the beginning of the year, and we do it several times during the year, and she asked me, okay, what are your priorities? What is important for you right now? What's your priorities? What are you doing? And um, she knows that I want to take mornings to do whatever, and the afternoons are certain things too. But um, if anybody talks to me, which they do it all the time, and pastors do this, they'll text me thinking that's the best thing to do. No, that's what gets forgotten. <laughs> if, it, if it goes through my email, she's going to see it because she, she looks at all the, all the email stuff. And um, so um, one thing I would really suggest is have your assistant control your calendar. Uh, an, another piece of that is that when people come and talk to you, they see you at Starbucks. Oh, I'd like to talk to you. Can we make an appointment? Or they see you at church. Can, can I make an appointment to talk to you? My answer is always yes. I, I would love, then it's fun to listen to Kathy go, I know he said yes, and he really did mean that, but, um, but, but here's what normally happens is a large percentage of the people that see you, and there's a 
one of these, if you don't make an appointment at that second, they'll never, it, it was just something that came into their mind. And I, I was controlling my own wanting to do all that. But what I found is I was wasting their time and my time oftentimes because they have an appointment. Now I got to make something up. And so I always, it's always, um, the, the gatekeeper is Kathy. And I would just add to that, uh, that my priorities are to lead Seacoast to speak. Part of that is meeting with people in our church. And so I don't want you to get the impression that we don't do that. In fact, this guy over here is probably the most accessible uh, large church pastor that is around. I mean, so it's not that we don't meet with people. It's just that legitimately it can sometimes take a while. And those that do follow up uh, often have really important, great things to talk about, whether it's a struggle, whether it's a blessing, whether it's a word. And so we do, you know, so I... Kathy has part of my meeting calendar as we try to leave some space uh, to, to fill with people in the church. And I try to leave an hour or so that we can fill that week. You know, I try to have blocks in my calendar. Again, this is just me and how I, how I operate so that I can say yes, not just because I feel bad about saying no, but often like I'm praying of all the thousands of people I'm going to see, I want to be attentive to the ministry that God has in front of me. And so to be able to have a system with, with Kathy to be able to go, hey, because we, then we connect on Monday morning or Sunday at church, and she'll go through the emails and, hey, here's the people that you know, have reached out. Or, and then I'll say, hey, I met with so-and-so. I don't care if they're reaching or not. I want to I want to have coffee with them this week. That's somebody who uh, I feel like was a divine appointment. And and so just knowing that it's not about always saying no either. It's about figuring out what is your best yes. And that's what Kathy is brilliant at helping us with. So. And the first administrative assistant, I think, at the church. Yeah. Other questions? How do you suggest getting your pastor to hand over his calendar? <laughs> I, I can give a quick answer to that, is make him meet with all the people that he said he would meet with. Uh, and, and then you'll have a moment. I mean this because we do this. And then you'll have a moment where he's flustered, stressed out. He's attentive to all of the urgent things, but none of the important things. Uh, and every everything's urgent to the person who's asking. And I think I had to kind of learn the hard way of scheduling some of these appointments, saying yes, and then her kind of going, hey, I can, I can help you with this. You know, not in a, a just in a life-giving way, but hey, if, if you can just, like if we can make a, an agreement that like you just say, send an email, send an email. And so um, I, I think I had to experience the stress of trying to run my own before I recognized how much I needed help because it is so life-giving and helpful. But this is your app session. Anything else you would say? No. The follow-up question was, what do you do about your personal things, personal appointments in your life? And I'll answer that one more time real quickly, like the gym health became a priority for me after uh, a lot of years of it not being. And so doing the gym. And so we just like, she knows the times I'm going to be at the gym. And I told her, treat it like a funeral. Um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't compromise a funeral because somebody needs to meet. So those, like she put them in the calendar uh, and 
that's part of part of my life and uh, you know she doesn't show up to him and you know carry my bags or anything but she she protects it and she'll even like if I've got a 4:30 deal at the gym she'll come in at 4:15 and end a meeting that's dragging on to go hey you've got a you've got another appointment coming up that you can't can't miss and so it's just some some personal things super helpful I'll I'll forward my uh, kids soccer when we get the the travel or the schedule that comes in just forward it and she'll help you know pop those things into the calendar because those are the things that you end up missing or, you know, whatever. And so, Kathy. Sure. Yeah, uh, you said... We have officially taken over the session. We've taken over. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't distinguish between personal and professional. It's... I've given her everything. Now, Debbie will, uh, you know, have priority on... And she can do it too. But um, if if I kept a separate personal calendar... Um, then it would all, it would bang into each other. And I, we just learned by pain that the best thing to do is have one central air traffic controller. And how do you juggle the both of them? How do you yourself juggle both? The question is, how do I juggle both of the pastors? Um, that is a good question. <laughs> um, I do have some help. I, I do have some help. Um, it got to the point that I could not do it alone. So, so we do have some other people on our team that helps, and that, that's how. Tell them about the joint. Uh, you don't have to get into all details, but the word that you got when we began this transition process of just feeling like God was calling you to, you know, bridge the gap. When the transition began, what, five years ago? From Pastor Greg to Pastor Josh, uh, the Lord spoke very clearly to me at that point. Well, for a while, I um, was pastor, only worked with Pastor Josh, and then I worked with both of them. And shortly after I went to work with bo- for both of them, I felt like the Lord told me one day that um, I was going to be the bridge from Pastor Greg to Pastor Josh. From the greater to the lesser. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason I wanted her to share that is because it's, it's a calling. I mean, she really does have a calling on her life to do this. And if she didn't, uh, she would have sent a lot more of those resignation letters because <laughs> it can be stressful. But every year we get together sometime after. We have a little bit of a break after Christmas. And um, I'm always a little nervous going to the meeting because Kathy comes in and she's spent some time praying. And she's like, all right, I've, I feel like God has told me I'm called to do this. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm re-upping you know, for another decade. She thinks a year, but we kind of... <laughs> But uh, but she really did have vision from God to be um, the bridge and to connect connect to these this transition. And so I think, as a reminder to all of you, you have a calling on your life. And Kathy is a pastor. Uh, she's uh, I don't know if she has that title or not, but she's she has a heart for ministry. She's g- gifts are in the prophetic. Uh, so she'll come come into the office some weeks and say, Hey, I was praying and God gave me a a word and man I will preach that thing like it was my own word uh, because it's often really great and so um, but but she's she's been placed you know by God to be a part of this and so um, we do have a team uh, might be helpful to talk about that a little bit but we do have a team that uh, that's that helps us with various aspects of it but um, yeah we have a team um, Pastor Josh's wife Lisa she is part of our team and she is the director of culture at Seacoast and Pastor, Gre- Pastor Greg and um, Debbie's daughter, Josh's sister, Jenny, she is also part of our team, and she helps me. Um, she 
she helps with events, and she also helps with all of Pastor Greg's travel. Pastor Greg has a lot of travel. <laughs> um, so she helps with all of that. And then Keenan, Keenan Shriver, is another part of our team. And she also works um, with Lisa and helps me with Pastor Josh. What does she do? Keenan? Keenan, yes. Well, she is um, Lisa's assistant, so she, she does all of that. And she helps me with scheduling or events or it, really anything that comes up. I have tried to give her all information. I don't withhold anything. So, like, if I'm not there, someone else can do it. What, what's happened is Keenan does a lot of what Kathy was doing three years ago. Um, this is all, it was Kathy and the two of us for forever. And just in the last two years, we've expanded it. So Keenan still, Keenan does my receipts. Keenan uh, will help with my calendar. Kathy kind of delegates some of that stuff. But our vision was to get Kathy leading at a higher level so that, so she talked about being the director of administration. We have 14 campuses, each of which has uh, an administrative assistant, either full-time, part-time, or dream team member. And so Kathy has weekly conference calls with each of, uh, with, with that team. She spiritually leads that team. She coaches them. All of the new systems that come through with, uh, you know, the, the finance department, you know, she, she's in charge of kind of making sure it gets to all 14 campuses. And so she's really uh, stepped up and led at a higher level, still gets involved in the calendar, still does a good bit of that, but Keenan's kind of doing the things that, that uh, Kathy was not going to be able to keep doing if she was able to lead at that higher level. Kathy, talk about the role outside of, uh, we talked a lot about calendar management and, and things like that, but clearly you do a lot outside of that, executing events, planning, you know, what's the role outside of sitting at a desk and moving their calendar things around? Because it's clearly much bigger than that. All right, so it is much bigger than that. <laughs> um, it's like um, I have this. I'm just going to tell you what, I, what it feels like. It looks like in my brain. It's like sitting in the in the middle of the hourglass. Everything's from all around is coming into me and then out this way. That's that's sort of what it's like. So. Um, when we have an event, especially if, like a conference, we have a conference team, but I still have to be involved because they're gonna ask me a question. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I have to have, a, I have, to have an answer for their questions. Um, and I want to do that for them. I don't want them to be left not knowing what's going to happen. So I just try to stay involved in things like that over and above their calendar or receipt or is that what you mean? She doesn't lead like conference events. No. But if she's at a meeting, we don't have to go mm -hmm. uh, because she's got the information. Then if we ask the information, she's got it. Also, one one thought is I, I think this was a God thought. This is the only prophetic thought I've ever gotten. Uh, <laughs> but the Lord gave me one time, what's a burden for you is a blessing for somebody else. Okay? So what what's what's burden for you, somebody else would just love to do. And um, so I, I would say things like this. Uh, well, Kathy used to do the, you know, I hate receipts and all that. That's just a mess. That's of the devil, all that IRS stuff and all that. But we have to do it. And so I'm not going to do it. So she did it. But then she, it, when it became overwhelming for her, 
um, my daughter, Jenny, wanted to work, and, and so she did, did, did the receipts. And you know what? You might not have a big staff like that, but there, there are volunteers, dream team people, that what's a burden for you, if you can figure out how to delegate it, it can be a real blessing to somebody else. They feel like they're making a difference. And I'll, I'll jump in. The question that was asked was outside of the calendaring. What, is, what does that look like? And an example, I'll just give you a story. You guys remember the shooting that happened in Charleston at Mother Emanuel uh, the, where the nine uh, church members were tragically killed? Well, we, God just allowed a, a relationship to open up after that. Our church got really involved in all of the funerals. Some people in our church began to do meals, and it just took off. And so we've become uh, really good um, friends with the, the, the people down there and the, the church down there. God's done a cool thing. One of the things that happened out of one of our meetings that dad and I had with one of their pastors is that they told us, you know, at, b before it happened, they were a church of a couple of hundred and under the radar. They didn't even really have computers. I mean, just being honest, they didn't, they didn't operate on computers. Everything was done via hand. And uh, all of a sudden, they are at the center of not only our country, but the world was watching what was happening here. They had mail overwhelming them. They had all, I mean, they had the biggest issue when we sat down with them. They were like, we don't know what to do about thank you cards. We've had so many gifts that have come in. And we, you know, and so dad and I said, well, let us help you. Uh, and so what that turned into is Kathy led a team of volunteers, Dream Team, uh, where we actually had for a year, Monday through Thursday, they officed out of Seacoast and we built, you know, web platforms for them. We processed all of their mail. We processed their giving. We helped them. But it, Kathy led it, but it was done through a p bunch of people who wanted to serve and help. And so there's a lot of that sort of thing that, you know, we'll get a vision and we try not to do too much of that because she would quit if we did too much of that. But it was, it was a divine deal, obviously. God had allowed a, our church to serve their church in that sort of a way. And Never have talked about that. That's not something we preached about. It was just something that happened behind the scenes. And Kathy said, let's go for it. We'll, we'll help make that happen. And so there's really, uh, and, and I agree that she goes to meetings so we don't have to, but I also, my preference is that she's in any meeting that I'm in. I know it can't happen all the time, but it's like, hey, if you can, if you can be in there, it's just, just going to make everybody's lives a lot easier because you'll be able to, you know, when I agreed, yeah, we'll take on that or, you know, so, you know sh you'll help us follow up on that. Otherwise, this next staff member is going to come and ask where it is, and you don't even have a clue because they've agreed to something. Um, and it's not that they're not going to follow through. There was just no one there to capture it. Yes, ma'am. What are your Sunday morning responsibilities? Or whenever your services are? Outside of the weekly office activities, what are your responsibilities during church services? The question is, what are my Sunday um, responsibilities outside of the office. Um, mine have evolved over the couple of years. When I was the campus admin for the Mount Pleasant campus, it was much more involved because I was like, I don't, I, I was like the mother of the house. I would go in and make sure all the TVs were on. There was nothing out of place. That we didn't have packages sitting at the wrong place. People are coming. In, people are coming to our house, and the house needs to be clean. So I would go in early and make sure that was done. Um, the one thing that I still do, it's not really on my job responsibility, but I know it affects both of them. And I have, um, I don't know if it's a gift or a curse, but I can walk in a room and. 
I see the things that are wrong. And, and that can be um, discouraging. However, it, it's also a good thing. So I go in before they get to church on the weekends to, to speak. And I, the first thing I do is walk in the um, auditorium and look at the chairs. Because I know that it is something that affects them when they go in. They're getting ready to speak. They don't need to be thinking about there is a chair out of place. They're too far back. They're too close. They're not straight. Whatever it is, I make sure the chairs are in pretty good order. Yeah, you don't go do the chairs. You bark at somebody. (laughs) Yeah, I don't put, I don't do the chairs. I just make sure they're right. (laughs) But other than that, um, I go in and... um, our bullpen, which is the green room, I make sure they have food, that they have water, that they have what they need. Um, I remind them to put their microphone on. Um, if they have props for the weekend, I make sure they're um, on the platform and that the service coordinator knows what is there, where it needs to be, so that some of the stagehands moving it, that they don't leave it backstage or they don't take it off or whatever. Just stuff like that so that when they get up to speak, everything's ready. And how does she know that? She comes to the message planning meeting uh, and takes notes. That's good. Yes, ma'am. How do you um, balance like serving and working with like not getting burnt out and still like according to yourself spiritually like, to grow? That's a great question. Um, the question was, how do I maintain my spiritual help um, along with, with working? How do I Sabbath? Um, Sabbath can be difficult. Um, I went through a season not long ago, honestly, of um, not being very good at Sabbath. So um, I was convicted, and so I have really, really um, stepped up my guarding of my Sabbath lately. Um, but other than that, I, I just love the church. Like, I hate to just say it, but I love the church. Um, and I love being there. But I do take time to, um, to, I do take some time off, and I try to unplug. It does take me longer than one day because my brain stays there. So I typically need at least two days so that by the third day I'm unplugged. And we have, we Sabbath on Friday. So we have an agreement that unless there is an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) Only in an emergency. (laughs) We we don't email, call, or or text. Because then it just puts you back in work mode. we're in the middle of transitioning our executive assistant and so we're trying to find the right person for the job she's not available (laughs) (laughs) that's very difficult to figure out who is good for that role so how did how did you get in that role tell me your first job i actually started at seacoast um as the receptionist now i will this route the, the question was, how did I get started in my current role? I started at Seacoast as a receptionist, and then I did move to several other capacities um, before I stepped into this role. But this really did happen. I moved from North Carolina to um, Mount Pleasant and 
the first Sunday, I did not know a single person. I went to Seacoast Church, and my life was such a mess. Um, I was the woman that sat in the balcony and cried, and I was crying like it was just ugly cry I, I couldn't leave between the first and second service so I just stayed there through the two and at that point we had two on Sunday morning and when I got ready to leave that day I just waited for everyone to leave and I was walking out I remember the sermon I remember the props I re it was it's just like burned it's tattooed in my brain and as I was leaving I just felt like the Holy Spirit said you're going to work for them I didn't even know them. Um, so by the time, from the time I started at Seacoast until I ended up in my current chair, now I was in and out parts of it, but until it was just mine, um, it took about nine years. And I was going to say, for, for the role that Kathy does, and I don't know how everybody else structures it, but it's a person that probably is already in your church or needs to be, and there has to be a sense of, of calling um, that is beyond someone who's really good at Excel. You know, she's really good at administrative stuff. She, I mean, she, what, what she can make look easy is amazing because I've tried to do some of it on my own. And it's, so I'm not demeaning the gift, but I think that uh, at least if, you, if, if, if a pastor is going to use an assistant in the way that we do, uh, it's got to be somebody that there's a high level of trust, confidence. Uh, our wives, my mom and my, my wife, uh, love Kathy to death, very, very close, believe in. There has to be a lot of those intangible things. I even think about with, you know, Pastor Chris and your relationship, it's obviously a, there's a calling, there's a, a sense of, of trust and of longevity of relationship that at least makes it a lot more helpful and useful. It can't always be that way, but I think it does. About that just real quick, and this picks up the one before, because some of you might be thinking, oh, well, do I have to be best friends with the assistant? Um, we socialize a lot. We don't socialize. No. Uh, almost at all um, there's not a real reason for it there's not a boundary there it just it we have different sets of friends and um, then also she works really really hard and we have seasons of the church you guys know that Easter is like oh gosh it's, it's awful it's <laughs> in, the best way. in the best way those of you who have those of you who are just church planting and you can't wait till you get lots and lots of people, did you hear this morning somebody said it just adds to the zeros? Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness. But uh, anyway, so um, after Easter, you knew that Josh and I's schedule was fairly loose. Her husband is a tennis pro, and so she took the whole week off to watch a tennis tournament. And, you know, she'll schedule stuff like that from time to time. Yes, sir. I loop their spouses in on everything. If it's going to affect them, and everything does, I make sure they're looped in. And that doesn't mean that I'm always the one telling them. If they agree to something, um, and I know it's coming up, I will ask them, have you talked to your wife? Because they need to tell the wife, not me. Um, and so I just, re not that they're, I mean, if, if I had to tell Debbie something, she, was, she wouldn't get mad at me, but it just needs to come from Pastor Greg. See, I wish it wasn't that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's much more efficient if she just tells her, but it doesn't work. Well, and we, we do a, about a quarterly calendar meeting that I'll sit down with 
my wife and with Kathy, and we'll just l lay out literally printed off pages of the calendar, and it'll be like, oh, I knew I was supposed to tell her about that trip, but I haven't yet. It's coming out now. And so, um, but, but yeah, it's pretty much all in. Yes, sir. So looking back, is there anything that, you talked about calendar, but is there anything that you wish they would have let go of sooner or that you guys <laughs> wish you would have let go sooner in the journey? Email. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Question and answer. Yeah, the question was anything we would have let go wish that we had let go of sooner. I was going to say email, you know, just getting help with that. It took me a while to, you know, not want to feel like I was out of control, not, not responding to everything. But um, now knowing that if she knows the answer to it, uh, then she'll respond to it and either, you know, CC me, on, blind CC me on it or uh, delete it or, you know, what, whatever. But like just knowing that some of the stuff that I may read on my phone, be like, oh, it's going to take me 10 minutes to answer that, and I'll find out later in the day that it's already taken care of, that she's already passed it on to who needed to get it. And so I'd say email for sure. One thing about email, when your pastor, if, he, if you are in their email, which I think that it's probably a wise thing, answer. When something comes in, acknowledge the email within 24 hours. You don't even have to have the answer, but let them know that you got their email and that you are working on finding the answer if you don't know it. Um, if Pastor Greg or Josh are asked to speak, I will respond and say, gosh, thanks for this invitation. I know they're gonna be excited. Um, I'll get back with you um, after we check our calendar. Then before I go and say, oh, by the way, you know, in Florida in January, you've been invited to speak. You want to go? Yes. <laughs> I have, before I tell them that, I have looked at their schedule, and I've looked at the church calendar. I've looked at the weekends that they're scheduled to speak already. I've looked at what their kids, their grandkids have going on. I look at their family birthdays to see what um, Debbie might have scheduled. So I look at the whole picture, and then I take to them, okay, so-and-so has asked you to speak. This is what's happening before and after in your family. This is what's happening at the church. They ultimately are going to make the decision if they want to go um, and can work it out, but at least they have a whole picture of it. Once I get that, then I can go back to the person who wrote the email and I have, you know, then I can answer yes or no with much, I'm not saying, by the way, no, they're too busy. Let me, let me just real quick, I'll just say, like, and, and you can use me for ammunition with your pastors when you talk about this. I don't know if this is the right thing, I have a personal private email that the only person that ever sends me anything in there is Debbie because I think she's the only one that knows. If she wants to chew me out about something or whatever, she, she can go that direction. All my email is, is through the gregsir at seacoast.org because of just what, what you just said. She said, and Debbie and her can both see everything. It's all transparent. So I don't even have my own I mean, I've got one, but I never use it. I don't tell anybody about it. Yes. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, so 
being a, a part of a church plan of less than a or about a year, we're just over a year now, um, and my pastor feels huge responsibility for every detail. How do you get him to relinquish some of that control? <laughs> and, she hit a nerve. There's a lot of people going. <laughs> <laughs> I this, this sounds like it needs to be an, um, an ARC yeah. intensive. <laughs> I don't know the answer I'll, to that question. I'll, I'll repeat the question, give you a little more time to come up with an answer. The, the question was, how do you help your pastor relinquish control? Uh, especially in a newer church plant, it's a year old. You know, he, I'm, he or she, I'm assuming he wants to be involved in all of the little details. And um, and I would say to to some degree that's healthy uh, because I know when Dad, you planted this church that you know, it, even when we transitioned, it took a while to help him understand why his opinion about the color of our Kids Coast T-shirts was irrelevant now and um so but because of this starting planting gene part of that's in it that entrepreneurial you've got vision for every area and, and so part of that you know is, is healthy that's what makes him a good leader and that's what's going to help your church to grow but i think helping um helping him understand that there are certain things that only he can do and if he doesn't do those it hurts the the vision and the, the future of the church and so Nobody else can cast vision for the church. Nobody else can set the culture. Nobody else can, you know, preach consistently or whatever it is that those things are. So if you can, she talked about priorities earlier, and that might be helpful to go, hey, why don't together we sit down and, and let's define the priorities. And they can change. You know, they can, yeah. it's not like you're committing forever to something, but define the priorities and then kind of go on, hey, let, let's, if he's got opinions about how, you know, Kids Coast is done, let's figure out what those opinions are and let's agree on what we're going for and then see if we can help alleviate some of that. So prioritizing, I think, would be the big starting point anyways. One thing we've done, I'll make this real quick so that they can get another one if you need to. Uh, one thing we've done together several times is um, I'll make a list. She'll help me make the list. These are all things I'm responsible for. Okay, now you go through and you check the, the things that only I can do. It's a great exercise. Yeah. Only I can do. And then, well, let's see if we can let's see if we can do something else with the rest of them. There's one more down here. Um, in equipping your team of other assistants, what do you find that their biggest needs are, and how do you equip them? Um, I I have broken it down into. Um, oh, sorry. The question is, how do I equip the team, the the admin team? Um, what are their biggest needs and how do I equip them? I have two categories that I try to touch on every Wednesday when we meet and then once a month we have all staff and we have a department meeting. But part of it is I focus on skills and that is just take, if we are at the beginner level of, of a system that we're using, let's get to the next level. Um, so trying to take their skill level up and the second area is a heart, the heart issues, um, reminding them that what they do is important, like who God says they are, they're called to this, why, those type things. Um, so that's how I equip them. Does that answer your question? Okay. And since we're done, be sure and tell them, I saw the toolbox she put together for you guys. It is golden. It's golden. So you need to give the 
uh, web address and all that. And they include in that, just if there are additional questions, uh, the toolbox thing and any resources that you turn to for new hires or dream team level admins that they can go to for best practices, ideas. In this toolbox, um, I have templates, I have best practices, I have some samples of stuff that we do. All you have to do is cut and paste. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, and it has baby dedications, funerals, weddings. Um, <laughs> um, a f like Pastor Josh's relationship spreadsheet, and then you can just add on. This is just a basic one. You can add on the template for the ideal work week, and I think there is even a miscellaneous folder that I keep in Dropbox for both of them. Important documents that you always need. Um, their passport, their driver's license, um, a W-9. Um, <laughs> um, and things like that. So I just made a list of those, but let me write this um, on the board and you can just download it. Will you verbalize it as you're writing it? <laughs> or we could end now. <laughs> All right. Pastor Greg, would you close this in prayer just for the official time together? Sure, I will. Um, yeah, and we don't have to say, record it. You say the website and the microphone so, so that the people <laughs> that are listening have it. Let me do it. Introducing a tiny All right, yeah, here we are. It, it's actually not that bad. It's uh, uh, http.frontslash.frontslash. You do that or not? You got that? Everybody know that? H-T, okay. B-I-T, period, L-Y, front slash, Kathy's, K-A-T-H-Y-S, toolbox, T-O-O-L-B-O-X. Okay? Everybody see that? Bitly? Yeah, bitly. Kathy's toolbox, right? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for these wonderful servants who make so much happen in your kingdom and in your church. And God, I just pray that, that uh, we would um, receive supernatural download of wisdom for our situation, application for our situation. God, uh, encouragement and strength for one another. And uh, we just pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.